love that just as the Jewish people had certain festivals, there was three major ones, and then there was a lot of other ones, and they would do them the same time every year. And, you know, as Christians, we, I kind of went through the history of that. You probably can find one of my old sermons where we parallel and we have, um, you know, certain festivals that we do the same time every year. Christmas is one of them. Um, as American Christians, we celebrate Thanksgiving. We also have Easter season, right? And so what we do is we recognize that these things are important to our heritage and to our culture, especially our faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we do the countdown to this festival week or festival days of Christmas, we're preparing ourselves and we're retelling the story. And that's what the Jewish people would do when they would celebrate Passover every year. They would retell the story of how God saved them from the Egyptians. Well, the story for Christmas, sometimes I think when we don't take the time to retell it, it becomes like we just think or kind of know it, right? I remember being a teenager, and at our church, we needed to do a Christmas performance. And the teens, for many years, had had a drama kind of club, and we would do different plays and activities. Well, the family that had done those plays and activities had moved away, and nothing was planned, and I couldn't stand that thought of that. So I sat down, and I wrote out a play, and I remember writing out about how the three kings showed up and, and it was supposed to be funny, and it was funny. But they were, like, knocking on the innkeeper's door saying, Hey, where's this Jesus? Where's this, you know, the star is right above your place. Where is he? You know, and then the innkeeper's like, He's not here. He's out in the barn, you know. And so these three kings are going to find, you know, the Messiah in the barn. And um, I remember our pastor was there helping us as we are doing everything. And all of a sudden, he just stopped us. And he says, Why are the three kings coming to the barn? And I was like, oh, I see the kings and all the nativity sets, right? And I was like 14, 15 years old. I'm like, aren't the kings looking for Jesus? He gets like, no, the kings don't show up for a while. If this is the night of his birth, it should be the shepherds. And I was like, okay, change costume, rename. Okay, the shepherds are knocking on the innkeeper's door. But it was interesting. That was the first moment for me that I thought, I thought I knew the story but I didn't quite know it correctly. So I'm sure that maybe some of you are like, what do you mean? Weren't the three kings there like me? What I was, right? So I thought what I would do today is, if you notice, we don't have a nativity up anywhere, and that really bothers me. I um, was looking the other night. We had guests in here, and I realized that one of the nativities that I always put up here is mine from home. So I went, and I pulled it out of the uh, storage, and this is going to make a huge mess because this foam stuff makes a huge mess. That's okay. I promise it's going to be okay. And so I brought this, and I thought I would put it together. And we can talk about what it is that I have. Okay. So we have really, you know, um, kind of commercialized Christmas. So this thing here... It's supposed to represent a barn, and so this is where Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus would be. But I'm just telling you right now, in Jerusalem, when Jesus was born, when they had animals 
Bethlehem was quite a fortified, rocky, hilly, mountainous city. And Jesus was probably up in a cave somewhere. Because, that, and this is, Bethlehem was where, where David was born. And, and so basically, most of the people that had animals, you didn't want to have a barn right next to your house downtown because of the smell. So usually you would find a cave somewhere and you would just put up a fence across it and you would keep your animals in there. So it's more likely where he was, but have turned the history and landscape of Jerusalem into an American version of he's out with the animals, well, then he must be in a barn. So first of all, probably didn't look like this, but isn't it pretty? I mean, it looks pretty when you're putting it out. Okay, so I've got lots of different pieces here. And what I'm going to do is as I read you the story, We'll see if we can find the piece and put it into our nativity, our not realistic barn. Does that sound okay? Can you guys see it? Let me back this up. Can you see it better now? Okay. So if we're going to really read and understand what we're celebrating, we have to go to the four Gospels. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why are there four Gospels? And when I read them, why are they so similar? Well, in Jesus' time, and it's kind of like this today when you go to, like, the judge, you have to have witnesses. And, you know, you'd have to have at least three witnesses to really be proven true. I love how, how that was Jewish culture. So we have four. Like, they're like, okay, we're not only going to give you the three, but we're going to give you one more. So we have Matthew, who was one of the disciples. He was trained by the Roman government to be a tax collector, which means he would have known how to write and do communication. He was a very educated man. And then we also have John, who is one of the 12 disciples, and he wrote down his account in his later years, okay? So Peter was one of the disciples, and Peter, if you remember from the stories, reading through here, was one of the three, just like John was, and was very close to Jesus. But Peter didn't write uh, an account, and it might have been because he was a fisherman, he might not have been educated, to write, um, even though they were speaking Hebrew, they would write in Greek because that was the Romans' official language. It would kind of be like if, if we have some friends that are French, but they write down their story in English because most of the world speaks English and can read English. And so maybe Peter just didn't know Greek. We don't know why, but he had a young man that really followed him around and learned from him and had been there when Jesus was around, and his name was Mark. So when we see the account of Mark, we know that that's kind of Peter's side of the story, of what Peter saw. So we have Peter, and we have John, and I don't have a box of tissues up here. I usually keep one right there. Let me see. I think it got moved. Let me grab this. So we have Mark, who's got an account of Peter's experience. And then we have Matthew. So where does Luke come in? Well, when Mark wrote his account based off of Peter's testimony, a few of the other disciples realized what he was doing, and they were like, we want to verify that what Mark has said is true, that I saw that. So Mark was the first one that was written, and it's the shortest. So then Matthew comes along, and he's like, I was there. I'm going to read through Mark's account that, of Peter's experience. And I'm going to verify that, yes, these things happen. But I'm also going to tell my version of some other things that I remember that I think are really important. So when you read through Matthew, a lot of it parallels Mark, but it's expanded. It's a little bit more. Maybe there's more unique stories. 
And so Matthew took the time to not only retell what Mark said to verify that, yes, I was a witness to that, I saw these things happen, but he also did some interviews and got the side of the story of the birth story added in. So Mark doesn't have a lot of that in there, but Matthew does. And for Matthew, we see a lot of Joseph's side of the story. So these might have been some interviews that he did with some of Jesus' brothers about what Joseph encountered or what he remembers from actually talking to Jesus himself. Now, Luke was also a believer, but he was a physician, and he was very educated. And he would be paid by very wealthy people to say, okay, look, we've got Mark's account. Can you research and double-check and get more witnesses so that I know for sure this is what happened? So Luke went, and he actually, we believe he interviewed Mary, or maybe some of her cousins, but I'm sure Mary was probably still alive at that time. And so we get Mary's birth story in the book of Luke. So what we're going to do today is we're going to read through Luke and hear Mary's, you know, version of what happened and what she remembered and highlighted to Luke. And then we're also going to read through Matthew and see what Joseph, his memories of the birth story are. And I love that there's two different sides because think about this. That's what happens in our real life, right? If I were to tell you about the story about when Wesley was born, I'm going to have my version of it. But then if you were to ask Todd, tell me about the day your son was born, he might remember totally different things, right? He might be like, oh my gosh, let me tell you, they couldn't get her IV in and this and that. And, and that stuck out to him, maybe of the medical end of it. Whereas my, my thought is like, oh, and, and then my mother-in-law came in and she got to hold the baby. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have a totally different end. So it's really cool that we have both sides of that story of what happened. So we start off in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and, you, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child at her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Okay, so this is the announcement, right? So who are our characters? Who did we read about so far? Anybody? We got Mary. All right. I think this box is called the nativity, so let's see. Let's see if we can find Mary in here. 
Let's see. Oh, here she is. Unfortunately, she's holding Jesus. So can everyone pretend like he's not there yet? He's, he's like being formed in her belly. Okay. All right. So we've got Mary. And there was somebody else. Did anybody notice who else there was? Gabriel, an angel, right? I think this one's called Starlight Tree Tapper. I don't know. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, here's one of my pet peeves, if you know me really well. I really have no desire to see all these frilly, cutesy, girly, baby angels. I'm not saying that maybe some of them don't look feminine or maybe some of them aren't super cute, but I don't think Gabriel looked like this. I think Gabriel was like, ooh, like, and, like, had, like, glowing hair and like because when you read about like an angel of God appeared before me and I was greatly afraid like I would not be afraid if she stood before me I'm just saying like but for for our sake here now what I think is interesting is okay we got this angel but really God the Holy Spirit fell upon Mary didn't it and she conceived so for right now in this part of the story let's let the Holy Spirit fall upon Mary okay and then we'll put it back on the angel. Okay, so here's our nativity story so far. We've got Mary that's just been told that even though you haven't been with a man, you're going to get pregnant. Like, what? Yeah. And to know that I'm telling you the truth, your cousin, who you love, this is a sweet girl, but she's really old and she's never had kids, she's pregnant. Now, that's another whole side story about the birth of John. And if you were Jewish, this would be super important because it proves that the spirit of Elijah is going to come to announce the Messiah coming. But for sake of time, I'm not going to go there. But let's just say this is really important that she was able to leave and go over to Elizabeth's house and find out the angel was telling the truth. Because this is before Facebook. Like, Elizabeth didn't do some really cool announcement. Like, she lives a little, a couple towns over. So Mary had to literally walk over there and find out that Elizabeth was pregnant. So this is just confirming that what the angel told her was true, okay? All right, so let's keep going. So in Luke chapter 2, the story continues, and we get to add more characters. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was one of the first censuses that took place under Eucrelius was governor of Cyrus. Now, they would say this to tell you what time it was, because you could look back on Roman records to see what year it was. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Now, again, for Jewish people, they knew the Messiah would come from the line of David, so this was really important. So God made sure that they all had to go back to the town of their ancestors right as Jesus is being born, so no one could ever question his ancestry line. He went there to register with Mary. Now, I know some of you are saying, but she was a virgin, and now she's with Joseph, so why does it matter where the father's line was? Because even if you adopted somebody, it was still the father's line in Jewish culture that would define that. Now, we also have lots of history where they'll do this person was the son of this person and this was the person was the son of this person. And so because of that in the four Gospels, we actually know the heritage of Mary and the heritage of 
Joseph, and they both came from the line of David. But they would have had to go where the husband was because the husband's heritage is what passed on to the kids. So it's really cool that this prophecy was true and it went all the way back to David. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. Okay. So now we've got to add Joseph in here, right? And I think this is Joseph. He looks like a Joseph, right? So they went and they traveled to Bethlehem. We've got this angel. I will go ahead and put the angel up here. See. Somehow she holds on to God's glory. I think God's glory doesn't need to be held on to. It just gets on you, but for the sake of the display. So they're in Bethlehem, right? Which was important because it shows where their line was, where the Messiah would come from. And they have a baby in a barn because there's no room for him in. And this is just shows the humility of God, right? At that time, like he's saying, look, when I come to you, I'm willing to come in the lowest place, in a place where nobody else would want to be because I'm going to go to places where nobody else wants to be to find you and to be with you, okay? So it says, Now there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Again, these angels must have been something to see, because they were, I mean, shepherds, these are like tough dudes, okay? They're out in the wilderness, sleeping on the ground, willing to fight off lions and bears for these sheep. These are not like guys that, you know, are fearful. And these angels come, and they're like, oh my gosh, what is going on, okay? And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Their big thing was on signs, right? The sign to Mary was that Elizabeth would be pregnant. Now, the sign to these shepherds was that they could go to a barn in Bethlehem and they would find a baby lap, wrapped up in a manger. This is the sight that you wouldn't see. Why would somebody have a baby in a barn and put them in the feed trough? Aren't they af afraid the animals will bite them? You know, like, obviously, this would be a sign. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to all of those whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love how there's so many witnesses and so many signs and so many things that have been verified around the birth of Jesus. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, then they spread the word concerning about what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Hmm. All right, so what new character have we introduced to the story? It's okay to, to talk to me. What do you think? The shepherds, right? All right, so I've got a few different shepherds you can pull out here. We've got this guy. He would have, this is like some sort of, it looks like almost like a bagpipe horn thing, but they um, would be able to call different signals and the sheep would know to come. Here's another shepherd. Isn't it amazing, though, that as the shepherds went and told the story, how people in town were amazed and thought this was, like, super cool? Why? Because how often would the shepherds who are out in the wilderness, who probably, you know, don't necessarily want to, like, talk to people and aren't, like, big people people, come into town telling them about these angels and all the things that had happened. So now we've got lots of sheep. Okay, a whole group of shepherds would have had a lot of sheep. Like all the nativity sets I have, I always buy extra sheep. And I'm always like, I don't have enough sheep. Because they would have, there would have been like thousands and thousands of sheep. So now we also have some more animals. Now we know in one of the accounts that the way that Mary and Joseph got from their hometown in Nazareth to Bethlehem was Mary rode on a donkey. And yes, that's better than walking, but if you've ever been nine months pregnant and ridden a donkey, a mule, or a horse, I'm just saying, like, that was pretty amazing. Okay, now we also have a big old camel here. Why would we have had that? Because lots of people have been traveling to Bethlehem to register, and many of them would have been staying in the inn. They would have gotten there before them, right? And they would have had the innkeeper keep their animals in the barn. So if you think that Mary and Joseph was in there just with like a cow, a couple sheep, and their donkey, yeah, right, there would have been a lot of animals in there that were being kept. Okay, so we have, let's see, is there anything I'm missing? What else do we have over here? These are all done. Okay. Ooh, I always buy extra shepherds and sheep. And so this is called a little shepherdess. So there would have been, sometimes the little girls would have been out there with their dads. We can assume that maybe one child would have been out there. We've got more sheep. Okay. So this is what we have in our story so far. We've got the angels that had sung that looked very big and manly and masculine. There's Michael and Gabriel and that didn't look like this at all, but this represents them. Sorry, guys. I'm just saying. I didn't create this. Somebody else did, but we're going to have that be representation there. We would have had lots of animals in here, and then we would have had these shepherds that would have heard and would have come to see. Okay, so that's Mary's recollection of what happened, and there's, there's a lot more kind of going on here. But let's flip over to Matthew, and let's just take a moment to say how hard it was for a man who fell in love with this woman, who got permission from her father to marry her, who in this culture was expecting her to be a virgin and he be the one to be with her and the, the sons and the children that they have be his seed and his heir, to find out all of a sudden that Mary's pregnant. 
I mean, that's hard enough for men today, but could you imagine in a culture back then where that was just sacred and that was your family line and that was everything to you? And so we see here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, that Joseph was having a hard time. We read in some other accounts how he was contemplating trying to divorce her quietly. Okay, so God had to intercede. So in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, they call it her husband, because once you were engaged, you were taking on that responsibility, even though you haven't had your wedding night. So they say Joseph, her husband, or we would have used the word fiancé, but they didn't have that word back then. They just considered you being the husband because you're engaged, but we call it being a fiancé, right? The fiancé was faithful to the law, and the law told him that if she's been sleeping around, you shouldn't marry her. And so he would have had to literally give her a letter of divorce because once they had made the pledge and the commitment to getting married, it was the same as being married even though they hadn't been yet together. I know that's confusing, but follow me here. Their culture was way different. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, he could have publicly went out into the courtyard and confronted her father and divorced her publicly. But he loved her, and he felt so bad about what was going on. He didn't understand it, but he knew he wasn't the father. So he was trying to figure out, how can I get out of this marriage quietly? But after he had considered this, so he's thinking about it, praying about it, trying to decide what to do. An angel, that probably didn't look like this, but a big, huge angel, right, came and appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Thank you for saving me from my sins. Should we say thank you? Let's say thank you for a minute. Thank you, right? That's so awesome. So all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Then he gave him the name Jesus. So, you know, in our culture, there's plenty of single moms that have children and, you know, can raise their kids. But in this culture... It was really, really hard if you didn't have a man over your household. There was this whole cultural thing of, you know, even owning property, even getting a place to rent or a home to live in, okay? So this is a traditional Christmas morning nativity set is what it should look like. Now, I know there's no kings here. Now, in my big set at home, I do have the three kings because you can buy them, right? And if you've got the whole set, don't you want every single piece? But I have a bi- I'm a big stickler on like, okay, on Christmas, we are celebrating what happened the day of his birth. So my kings are not here. I usually have like another area for them. Right now I have this bookshelf, and so they're way at the bottom. 
and I have a totally different, like, even a covering for it. I was able to find, like, desert sand, you know, like, so I have a spot on that looks like desert sand, and I have my kings on the desert sand. Why on Christmas morning are they on the desert sand? Well, see, they were following what the prophets said, and they knew that when a new star was formed, some people believe it's what we call the North Star. Some people call it the Bethlehem Star. I'm not going to get into the science behind that and if that is the right star or not, but I know at one point scientists thought it was about 2,000 years old since we've been able to view it with our eyes here on Earth without a microscope. Again, I'm not sure if that's the star or not, but we know that biblically a, star, a new star rose up in the east. These wise men had seen it. They knew all the different prophecies and that when that star would be visible by them, that they would know that a new king was born for the Jewish people. Okay? So we read about their story here in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So after, after he was born. So after Christmas morning. Maybe it was January 5th. I don't know. Maybe it was in March. Maybe it was a year later. I don't know. It was after. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, which just means wise men, I know we sometimes call them kings, but if we're going biblically, they were wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. What's interesting, it doesn't say there was three. It just says that wise men from the east came to Herod and said, where's the king? They gave three different gifts were listed, so we always assume there was three, but there might have been 20. There might have been 20 wise men that all said, hey, let's go on a journey. There could have been two. I mean, it's plural, so there had to have been at least two. I should buy, you know how like, I like to buy a lot of sheep? I should buy all these different like wise, or wise men, you know, have a bunch. Just saying. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, he didn't want to go and worship. He wanted to kill him. We're going to read that. Why? Because he was somebody that was appointed by the Roman government. He wasn't the actual true king of the Jewish people. And so now these Magi have come and said, hey, your prophecies have been fulfilled. Did you guys pay attention? Did you see this? Well, no, they're not looking for a Messiah. He, he, he wants to keep his own power. So now that it's been revealed and he sees what's going on, he's like, I'm going to go squash this so I can continue my line of reign and my son can continue to be the king because he doesn't want somebody else's son to take over. Okay? So... When they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, it rose ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down to worship him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay? So the wise men, they came. Did you notice how it says that when they came, in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. So this was after day of his birth. They're no longer in a barn. Shocker. Joseph found a place for them to live that wasn't a barn, right? Now, they wouldn't have traveled with a newborn. Most newborns died. Most children died before the age of five. So they wouldn't have, like, okay, we registered, now we're going to go back home. They wouldn't have done that because of childhood diseases and just, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So what Joseph did was he rented a house, and they stayed in Bethlehem for a while, okay? So they're in Bethlehem. And they found either a house to live in or maybe because he has relatives there. He's found, you know, maybe some other cousins that got there first have moved on and they, they're able to stay with Aunt Susie because she's got the guest room open again. We don't know why or how, but they're in a house. Okay? So when the Magi got there, they asked around who's had a baby in the last however many months it had been that they had calculated and they figured out this, this was a family that did. Okay? So they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and these would have all been things that they would have needed. Why? Because when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mo- and the child's mother, which is Mary, during the night, and they left for Egypt. They would have used that gold. They would have used that to, as resources to be able to pay their way through there. During the night, and they left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled the Lord that had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinities who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Okay, so what we know here is that by the time the kings came, it could have been up to two years after Jesus was born. So I'm glad that Joseph, after almost two years, was, could afford a house, that they were no longer in that barn, right? But the actual morning that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, the, the wise men aren't there yet. So this is the basic story. This is what we're getting our hearts ready for. This is the birth story that we retell every year. And what I think is really cool is that the angels could have appeared before the town officials, right? The angels could have appeared before the Roman soldiers. The angels could have appeared before many different people, but he, they appeared before the shepherds who were caring for the sheep. Why? We know that God's word, and what did the angel say to Joseph? That this child that would be born will be the great shepherd who will care for all of my children, right? The sheep. And so this is very symbolic. It's also, um, many people have said that the shepherds in many towns were looked down upon. And so here God is saying, I don't need testimony from the mayor of the town, right, to say that I am here. I can use anybody, and I love this birth story because it reminds me that I might consider myself a nobody, but God wants me to testify that his Messiah has been born. Because they didn't just go and see this and then go back to the fields. It says they went throughout the village and they told anyone who would listen to them about what they witnessed. 
and people marveled at their testimony. So what I want to leave you with today as we continue as this Advent season, preparing our hearts for Christmas morning, and I know for some of you it's all about the presents and what you're going to get, but that's not what this is about, right? It's about remembering that he came and he was humble enough to come, is what kind of shepherd are you, right? What kind of shepherd are you? What kind of person are you that when you hear God's message, are you able to go and to share that? right? Is it, is it hard for you to share that? Is it hard to, you know, for some of us go on Facebook and repost something? Is it hard when the family's all talking and, oh, you know, grandpa so-and-so has got cancer. Is it hard for you to call him up and say, I'm praying for you. God heals. I called Pastor Mary. I called so-and-so. We're all praying for you, grandpa, right? These shepherds weren't afraid to go and to share that message to any and all who would hear. So may we, as we think about this, right, faith that they had to go to Bethlehem, even though she was pregnant and it wasn't a good time to travel, do we have faith that as we share God's message that he will honor that? Let me pray for all of you. Father God, we thank you so much for the birth story of Jesus and that it was recorded and we can see all the confirmations, we can see all the witnesses, we can see all the different testimony. And just as the shepherds were tasked with going and worshiping Jesus and to share that message, may we worship Jesus in our everyday life. May we go and share the message of his saving grace for our souls that we can see heaven when we die and that his promise of healing and wholeness while we're here on earth. We ask you, Father God, to help us be testimony, our chance to share this with all of those around us. Reveal to us opportunities, and obviously there will be times where our just living our life will be testimony enough, but if there is times you want us to share, make it clear and help us with that. I ask you to bless every single person here as they begin preparing their hearts for Christmas morning as they remember that Jesus came. He was willing to experience life just as we have. And he was willing to experience that life so he could go to the cross and die for our sins. May we accept it. And may we receive it because he rose again and he lives today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Continue reading through John. Read through the book of Mark if you haven't. Again, one chapter is only a page. You can do one page a day. God bless everyone.